The Alt-Fantasy Sports Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. And we are now brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. The world's greatest shorts are hooking you up with a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. And after a brief hiatus, the one... The only Amish man staying in Iowa is back with us, Justin. Mark, Justin, glad to have you back, buddy. Nice to be back. How's it going? I mean, you know, I wish I was doing as well as your USFL fantasy team was. Because (laughs) you, sir, heading into Sunday night, were staring a 60-point deficit in the face. But did he blink, ladies and gentlemen? Did he panic? Did he try to change something at the last second? Nah. He said, I'm going to roll with Corey Coleman, Darius Victor, and Nick Skiba. Yeah. Darius Victor rewarded him. He did. Corey Coleman did as well. And that's all she wrote as he squeaked out a victory by six-tenths of a point. No word if a stat correction will ruin that for you or anything. (laughs) Fingers crossed it doesn't. And then Justin also uh, just alerted me. He had a moment of cold bloodedness rather than having to face his wife in the championship game he decided and i hope miranda's listening or watches miranda justin stabbed you in the back he saw that you had two players with goose eggs in the lineup and guess what he did folks rather than tell his wife who supported him buying 60 trees for some unbeknownst reason he let her go in and take double goose eggs from jordan's school and Reggie Corbin, she lost by 1.8. She wanted 1. those 2. trees, so maybe this is the revenge. <laughs> I know what I'm clipping and putting on Instagram and tagging Miranda <laughs> in it. That's fair. <laughs> but, you know, USFL, Justin. The South is set heading into week 10. And... Mm-hmm. The North is still a dumpster fire. Yeah. I wish I had another way to put it. But that's just <laughs> it right now. Yeah. I mean, personally, I hope the Maulers make it just because, A, what a turnaround, even though, is it really a turnaround when you've only to won go three games? Four and six? No. <laughs> yeah. Four and six is not a playoff team. Two games below 500 is not a playoff team. You know, this isn't. I mean, this is what the Renegades did, isn't it? Did they go four and six, too? They did. I, mean, I was just thinking I, that. I, I get it. Like, you want to have them in it. It's exciting because your week 10 games mean something. 
but your playoff games are about to be awful in the North. You're going to have somebody in the North. And I say, and I'm sure that, you know, the, the, whoever from the North makes it is going to clip this and post it up in their locker room and it's going to motivate them to win just like it motivated the renegades. I think the South division game is the USFL championship game this year. Yeah. And we felt that way about the XFL too. So it's interesting how now we're, you know, kind of looking at the same, same thing here, but um, it, it would be weird to me if the Maulers make it at four, six with that kind of dominating defense and then end up winning the whole thing kind of like Arlington did. I, I mean, Troy Williams has to turn it around though. You know, yeah, he's been doing okay. He hasn't been turning the ball over, but he needs to do a little bit more with the ball in his hands. You know, he needs to do more than 166 through the air. The thing that really wasn't talked about with the Arlington Renegades is the fact that they added a first ballot spring football hall of famer in Luis Perez early right away. And that is key, you know? Yeah. It is. I I still think the defense won out for him, but yeah, I agree. Uh, that was I mean, a huge addition that was yeah, handed to them, but we won't was, get into that. It was handed <laughs> to them. I'm sure your boy Brian Scott had thoughts on that one, Justin. Did Brian Scott no doubt. still have things nope. to say about Luis Perez after that? Um, you know, we didn't talk about it. We've just been talking about the Argos. <laughs> Has he been? How does he feel backing up Swag Kelly? He's feeling pretty good about it. You know, he said he's still learning the game and the, the differences in the CFL. And uh, yeah, he had fun in preseason and he's looking to just get him back to work. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball there in that Maulers Panthers game, Josh Love forgot how to take care of the football. The thing that made him so good early season was that he wasn't turning the ball over and he threw four picks on Sunday, Saturday. Yeah. He looked more like Josh Love, right? He did. He did. <laughs> However, um, Richardson for the Panthers is a nice uh, emergence here. That's something I didn't necessarily see happening. And he's going to be available in a lot of your leagues, you know, and he's been okay. He hasn't been great. Yeah, um, but definitely if you're, you know, if you're hurting it, uh, throw him in there. I mean, five catches for 99 yards. You can't beat that out of a running back position. Uh, AJ, I mean, is he a running back or, or wide, receiver? wide receiver? Yeah, he's listed as a he wide receiver. He gets carries, though, yeah. He does. I mean, he's getting the ball on the ground. They're working to get him the ball in all phases of the game, you know, and this 99 yards was his big game so far. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's putting up yards. He's putting up touches. Through six games, he has eight catches. So it's not as much as you maybe want, but maybe he's going to emerge as the guy now for Michigan with Joe Walker being slowed down a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have just kind of switching gears here? Do you have any concern about the Stallions sitting their starters or the breakers for that matter? Yes. <laughs> I, I I would be shocked if we saw the breakers and the Stallions play the entire 60 minutes, um, you know, and I don't know what they're going to do for the South division. I mean, these games are utterly meaningless and there's nothing they can do to make them meaningful. It's not like you can play for home field advantage. Right. It, yeah. You know, so they're just kind of staring a no win situation in the face and they're facing potential for these South games to have zero interest in them. 
Yeah, you know? for sure. But but speaking of zero interest, this episode is supported by Edge Boost, Justin. Edge Boost is the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which can be an extremely valuable tool. Imagine how much CFL futures action you could get in on with that boosted bankroll, Justin. Get down on some of your favorite CFL futures. Parlay some. Get down. Boost those playoff bets. Give a little hedge here on the Argos. And maybe throw a long shot red black ticket in. You got all these options that you could do. So you can do this and you don't got to tie your bankroll up for months. Double down on a favorite bet you like or use that middle or hedge. We know it feels a little gross, but sometimes a smart play is a good play and leads to more plays. Edge boost isn't some sleazy loan shark as they charge zero interest. Do you know of a way you can access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying any interest? Edge boost can also be part of a responsible gambling plan as you can set up daily, weekly, monthly limits across all your betting accounts in one place. So not only are they going to help you boost that money, they're going to help you use it responsibly so you don't get too excited and lose it all at once support sgpn and grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash eds to shine up that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge must be 20 or 21 years older to use problem gambling call 1-800-GAMBLER speaking of the houston gamblers justin let me tell you they need to do a little bit more of their namesake and gamble when they get in the five yard line because that I was sitting right in that end zone on Sunday in Memphis. And let me tell you, the num- they just kept mo- – they were moving the ball okay. And then for whatever reason, they just got down inside the 10 and stalled out. And they weren't willing to take a chance to go for it. And they lost. They kicked five field goals on the day. And they got doubled up because they weren't willing to go for the end zone. Yeah, I forgot you were at the game. How was that? It was good. It was hot. There were yeah. not – people there as i would expect for there to be a Houston. there were more birmingham fans than houston fans um sure i did count how many people were there but again <laughs> it's two teams that aren't relevant to memphis um memphis fans who did go were devastated because they watched their team's playoff soaps die right in front of them with every gambler's field goal <laughs> true yeah i if the gamblers want success next year, they need another option. That's not Kenji Bahar at quarterback. He's just, I, I just, he's not the guy. I mean, and I don't even know that it's necessarily a problem with him. Actually. I think it's a problem with their play calling because as we were watching this could game, be, yeah. they just weren't able to push anything down the field to put any stress on the defense at no point in this game was the defense stressed. I mean, Kenji Bahar was clinical. He was 20 of 27 for 149. Problem is he only went for 149. You can't throw the ball five yards downfield and expect to move the ball and expect to score. And Mark Thompson, as a result, got absolutely bottled up. And Kenji Bahar was limited in his running. So when you have all of these things coming together, you just have a bunch of receivers in Peterson, Hall, and Zuber who are doing a good job getting open, but nobody's winning deep. They're all winning short with speed. You need somebody who can stretch this defense, stretch defenses vertically. So if I'm Houston and I want Kenji Bahar to succeed, which I think he can, you need to go out next year and you need to add a receiver who can stretch the field. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And you're right. Maybe it's not Bahar because then Kozart comes in and he averages 4.4 4 
per play. Right. I, so, I think this is an offense that they're trying to be safe. They're trying to not turn the ball over. But the yeah. problem is, is they need to push the ball downfield a little bit. You know, they have the run part of the run and shoot down. They don't have the shoot, <laughs> you know, and, and in reality, this is what the run and shoot is. The run and shoot offense is centered around small, quick receivers who are tough to cover. But the problem is, is for whatever reason, the gamblers don't have the ability to push it down the field. I don't know if that's line. I don't know what that is. And on the other side of the ball, you know, Alex Magoo cementing his case for USFL MVP. Yeah, agreed. I mean, he he was their starter last year, of course, then he got hurt and then he was the backup this year. And then Jamar got hurt, and he's he's been phenomenal. He's shown that there definitely are two different quarterbacks on that team that can just carry the team. Um, so I've been I've been happy for Magoo that he got his chance to get back in there and be a starter and show that he deserves it. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if that doesn't lead to one of them getting moved to another USFL team, maybe somewhere yeah, like Memphis or Michigan or Pittsburgh, because one team with now three quarterbacks in Kyle Sloter. I will say, though, Birmingham having Kyle Sloter waiting in the wings, ready to come in, has me a little interested if he's going to run a little bit because we saw some of the down guys like Kane and Hardy get involved a little bit. So those guys will be involved most likely on Sunday um, or whenever that South Division game is. I think they're actually – if I were them, I'd put them both on Saturday. Let me yeah. see here. Um, nope. Uh, the Stallions play Saturday night, and then on Sunday, we have the Breakers and Gamblers at four, and the Stars and Panthers at seven. Mahler's Generals is one o'clock on Saturday. So, the first, so the North Division semifinal, first semifinal, gets the one o'clock window on Saturday on USA. Nice. Um, you know, and, and then speaking of field goals and just anemic offenses, the showboats, you would have thought with some extra time to game plan with that lightning delay, they could have come up with something to turn it around, but uh, <laughs> they didn't. They scored zero points after the rest of the game. That was just. Yeah. I, we rough. left that game at the thunder delay because it was just, it was rough. The breakers were moving the ball well but not amazingly like mcleod bethel thompson quietly only had 88 yards you know yeah like this was just an ugly game all around where you know the showboats had 249 yards of offense to 170 for the breakers yeah that's rough very rough um fumbles coming into play the turnovers for the showboats when your quarterback for the breakers only has 88 yards and you win 31 to 3 you're doing something right as a team I mean, your boy, Cole Kelly, three picks on the day, not necessarily yeah. looking good. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know if Cole Kelly's the guy. And I think the other thing that hurt them is um, White, the running back for the showboats, went out with an injury early, mm -hmm. which then meant Juwan Washington was carrying the load. And you can't just have one back carry the load. That's a lot. Agreed. I mean, is there anybody – so so you and I are of the same mindset. We're kind of out on those South Division games next weekend, and we're not really – we're staying away from those as much as possible as we can for fantasy. Yeah, for sure. So thinking of that, 
who are guys that you're targeting heading into this weekend in your must win justin in his first year in one of the longest running spring football <laughs> leagues um i mean you you want a guy like case cookus right he's got the experience he's uh done pretty decent he's had his ups and downs this year but he's still he's done decent enough and i think that's it you know if you're looking at any of these players that's the guy that you want he and if you can stack him with Corey coleman so are you going to try to get your wife to drop case cookus and you <laughs> collude with her to pick him up is Hell that no, what you're she, telling me justin she's not going to help me out i'm just saying that's like not if, after that's you a stabbed guy you her in the start. back not after you stabbed her in the back <laughs> She wouldn't anyways. <laughs> we have a we have a vicious in-house rivalry here. There's no helping each other. Uh-huh. Excellent. Um, it, you know, just looking at this, you know, are the two championship teams in our league here. It's going to be good. You know, the only thing that you might see is which defense is available to drop the gambler's defense. Unless you think the breakers are going to be bad playing their backups. I mean, that could be. True. Yeah, the gamblers might want to end on a high note, and if the backups are in for the breakers, it might be a good opportunity for the gamblers' defense to show up because they were supposed to be a good unit, and they had a couple good games, but um, overall they've been a little disappointing. They're supposed to be the strong part of that team. Yeah, I mean, and Wes Hills just continues his dominance, 660 yards on the season, 10 touchdowns, him and Mark Thompson just seizing the RB one title from Darius Victor this year, you know, Victor's yeah. been a more efficient runner. You know, I think we're seeing though, if you know that there are running backs, because we knew Victor and Thompson were going to be key guys that you need to go get the running backs early. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, Wes Hills has been just one of the biggest surprises for me as far as all the players overall. Um, it's been nice seeing him break out and kind of dominate the way he has. I mean, but there is one thing I will say. Wes Hills does not have the thighs Darius Victor do, does. <laughs> and it's summer, True. Justin. And it's all about the thighs because you know what they say, skies out, thighs out. And, our, and bird dogs can help you fulfill that mantra, Justin. They make you look good. They've got the stretchy khaki shorts that can that they're tighter and they make your thighs pop, Justin. Even you, while you're working out on your 60 trees, could look good in a pair of bird dog shorts. They fit good. They're not, they're not restrict. They're a stiff cotton too, so you can wear them out when you're on the town as well. Uh, and anti stink, anti sweat wicking fabric, which is what we all need. I know it only gets up to like 60 degrees out there in Iowa. But here in the South, where we see temperatures that, you know, make you sweat, um, thing, that is wonderful. I can tell you right now, I'm definitely looking forward to ordering a pair of bird dogs. Uh, so just, you know, how do we think Darius Victor would look in bird dogs, though? I mean, how has this partnership not come to fruition? Darius Victor, if you hear this, I would love to send you a pair of bird dog shorts, courtesy of SGPN. Please, sir. Let us know. We'll make this happen. Um, and they will help you too, Justin, live your best life. Skies out, thighs out. So go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you.
Justin's just in awe yes. at that thick, professional. Thick thighs save lives. <laughs> uh, so, Justin, switching gears a little bit, head into the CFL. Yes. Did you draft your CFL fantasy team yet? Um, I did. You did? Who? Yeah. Uh, let's talk your receivers. Who, who are we looking at with your receivers? Who you got? All right, let me switch over here because... I have a horrible memory. Um, so I got Rashid Bailey, Dakil Williams, Drew Walatarski, and then who's on my bench here? Um, Luther, I say his last name, Hakuna Matata, because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my main receivers. Yeah, I mean, I, I Nick Dembski absolutely balled out for me this weekend for sure greg ellingson and lucky whitehead less so as well as tyler turnowski also disappointing me uh it was a rough weekend it was a rough weekend in the cfl not gonna lie i got absolutely blown out um by a score of 114 to 75 because i had a lot of goose eggs two goose eggs for my idp a goose egg for my receiver and dreshwan antwi only gave me six tenths of a point. Ouch. What the hell, Antwi? You were <laughs> supposed to be good at football. <laughs> yeah, that that definitely hurts. Hard to beat somebody when you're only getting that. Um, do you have multiple quarterbacks on your team because of how they do buys? I do. I have Chad yeah. Kelly and Taylor Cornelius. Uh, Corn dog, not necessarily living up to the heights that I thought he was going to. You know, but let's just let's focus on the receivers right now. Okay. You know, and let's go game by let's game. We had a great game between BC and Calgary that featured, you know, a high scoring, you know, everybody knew BC was going to be good this year. They got Vernon Adams in the fold and he did not disappoint. And do you think they're going to support two top tier wide receivers here in Dominique Grimes and Alexander Hollins? I mean, they did last year with Dominic Grimes and Lucky Whitehead at the time. However, that obviously they had a different quarterback situation. So Vernon Adams getting the uh, the clear QB1 spot here. It's going to be interesting to see, but he played a lot better than I expected. Um, I thought he would have some struggles to start off because he did show some struggles when he came in last year after the trade, but he looked really good. I was impressed. And I think Dominic Grimes is definitely somebody you should have on your radar. Oh my gosh, Dominic Rhymes should be rostered in every league. 13 targets is just an absolutely dominant performance. And yeah. if you drafted Lucky Whitehead, I wouldn't panic yet because BC Agreed. is gonna he's gonna have his weeks. You know, he might be a flex play this year, but give him a chance to get back in. And on the other side of the ball, you know, we had three receivers with high targets: Malik Henry, Reggie Begleton, and Trey Odoms Dukes. Malik Henry really disappointed. Eight targets for only three catches. Can he bounce back? And no, that's not the Malik Henry from Last Chance You. I know what everybody's thinking. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if he does bounce back. I I think I, from what I saw anyways, it looks like Trey Odoms Dukes and Reggie, Reggie Begleton are maybe kind of taking over um, that as being the go-to guys. But we'll have to see. Eight targets is still a lot of targets. He just needs to convert more, obviously. Yeah, I mean, and then we're just continuing through looking at Winnipeg and Hamilton. You know, Hamilton, Tim White, and Bo Levy-Mitchell have some chemistry. It's very apparent. And then Dekeel Williams has a little bit on there as well. And Keandre Smith 
too. But Bo Livy Mitchell, is he washed? I think so. I mean, I thought that when the season was starting, I didn't like their acquisition of him. But I, yeah, I don't know. I maybe he just needs some more time with the, with these receivers to kind of build that, um, you know, the uh, the chemistry and everything. I guess. I, I mean, he threw two picks, and you know, even they put in Matthew Schultz for one play, and he threw a pick. So this Hamilton offense really is struggling. It's not living up to the hopes that many of us had heading into the season. And it's really hard when on the other side, you have Zach Kolaros just absolutely carving up your defense and he's spreading the ball around to everybody. You know, he's not giving Brady Oliveira and Drew Wolitarski the gaudy target numbers, you know, but Rashid Bailey was getting involved with targets as was Dalton Schoen and Nick Dembski. You know, there were a lot of guys in this blue bombers offense you know, they're bombing it. Caleros is bombing. <laughs> yeah, nice pun there. Um, if this is anything like last year, any of these guys are going to have their days. Um, it it kind of seems to fluctuate between who's the leader each week. So if you have an opportunity to get a Blue Bombers receiver like Dembski, Schoen, Walatarski, Bailey, I would say try to do that, even if you have to do it in trade. Yeah, I mean, and now on the flip side, you know, as we're looking at Ottawa and Montreal, two teams that people think less highly of, you know, especially offensively, but Cody Fajardo from Montreal piled up the yardage but couldn't get the Alouettes into the into the end zone. What's going on there? That's just Cody Fajardo. I mean, he's got his, his games where it looks like, man, he's a really good quarterback, and then he has those games where it's, what is he doing? Why is he on the field? Um, so I, you're, you're going to have some of that with him as quarterback, but Austin Mack, four catches for 120 yards, an average of 30 per catch. That was, I did not expect that. That was a name that I kind of jumped out at me of like, where'd this guy come from? I mean, he did spread the ball around a lot. You know, he had, mm -hmm. every, he had five, he had five receivers with three targets or more, you know, and Keshun Abram, really shocking that he only had one catch on his four targets because everybody else was a high conversion rate. You know, Kion Julian Grant was two of was three, three targets, two catches. William Stanbeck was four catches on four targets. And Hergie Mayaya, Mayaya, Mayala, bleh, three for four on targets and catches. You know, really good to see there. If Montreal is going to spread the ball around like this, I think this is going to be an offense that you're going to want parts of. So I'm keeping, I'm adding the, some of these Montreal guys because, you know, there's a limited amount of roster space and people aren't going to panic drop stars after week one. So you want to go out and get some of those guys. And even on the other side of the field in Ottawa, you know, there were five guys with five targets in Ottawa. Yeah, if if Nick Arbuckle can just stop throwing interceptions, they might have some better games. Um, but yeah, it, it was nice to see Justin Hardy after he had had a little bit of uh, success in the NFL, just briefly. Um, nice to see him get involved and have some success, even though it was only 27 yards, still had the seven targets. But yeah, Justin four guys Hardy with seven targets. ever really have NFL success. <laughs> Let's not get Let's carried away here, Justin. He played NFL games. How about that? That's he more played like NFL, what I That's meant. better. That's better. He played NFL games. Yes. Caught some NFL since, passes. But going north of the border, I mean, he he's played better. Last year, he had 44 catches for 400 yards. You know, that's a lot better. He didn't find the end zone at all. 
So mm-hmm. maybe, and he's still waiting for that first CFL touchdown because even in Atlanta, in the NFL, in his limited work, he was good in the red zone. So you wonder if maybe he and Nick Arbuckle can't get some chemistry going here down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. And if you drafted Jalen Acklin, he was one of the top receivers last year. I wouldn't panic. I, I know he only had two reception on seven targets, but I wouldn't panic on him yet. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to keep spreading the ball around like that, but they're throwing, they're going to throw a lot and they're going to spread it around. You want to, you want to roster those pass catchers across the board. And then in the last game, we had Saskatchewan and Edmonton, that Rough Riders taking on the Elks. Seems like everybody's a Rough Rider these days, Justin. (laughs) Yeah. Who um, who were some of the guys that stood out to you in this game? So, Sean Bain, 10 targets. He only had six for 36, but still 10 targets. If he continues to get double-digit targets, that's obviously a piece of the offense that you want there, even though, like I said, wasn't converting a lot. And then on the other side, it looks like the same story for the Elks, that Geno Lewis is the only guy that ends up being relevant. Five receptions, 148 yards, and a touchdown. That's just how it was last year. Last year, they were not very good. They didn't have a lot of uh, producers, but Eugene Lewis, um, he goes by Gino, stands out again, and he can't be covered. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got a lot of, I mean, Gino Lewis and Taylor Cornelius. Taylor Cornelius does this. He laser focuses on one guy. Um, you know, we saw it in the XFL a couple of years ago with Dan Williams, and now we're seeing again with Gino Lewis and. You know, if he's out there in your league, go at him right now because, you know, I mean, again, he's, you know, he's only rostered in 50% of alt fantasy leagues right now. So that means there's a chance you could go get him today. If he is available, you need him on your roster. Absolutely. So, Justin, you know, we kind of touched on how everybody did this weekend. Let's talk about it. Let's let's rank these uh these CFL pass catching units shall we because that's what we do here we're here we're here to <laughs> we're here to buy into it we're doing this with the hindsight of week ones in the books you know so we have a little bit of foreknowledge here uh print yourself a cheat sheet is that what just uh, happened no there? I was grabbing a piece of paper so I could <laughs> write my notes down as we went oh fair enough <laughs> Thought you printed a cheat sheet. I was like, no, geez. I would never print a cheat sheet, Justin. I am the cheat sheet. <laughs> there you so, go, Justin. Uh, looking at these teams, you know who is it that's standing out to you? You know, best top. You know who's the worst? Actually, we'll start. Sorry, going the wrong way. We'll start at the bottom. <laughs> worst receiving core. What's the team that you just want no pieces of right now? Hmm. Putting me on the spot here. That's I'm gonna do here. <laughs> Even though there was one good part of their uh, receiving core, one is not enough. So I'm going to go with those Elks. They they were the worst team in the league last year, and they look like they're going to potentially be the worst team again this year. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but if you're going to have one guy who's going to ascend and dominate like that, I can't put them at the bottom. Really, the bottom for me is Calgary. You know, I just – I know they faced a tough BC team, but they were down late and they couldn't do anything. And they only, and they didn't manage to move the ball until the fourth quarter. Yep. And Jake Meyer only threw for 150 yards on the day. That's not impressive to me. If I'm sitting there with Trey Odom Dukes, I'm looking to move off of him. 
Same with Malik Henry and same with Reggie Bagleton. Yeah, yep. And I do have them next. So I I was close with you there. So who do you get? Who do you got at uh, I guess uh, seven? We I never mean, saw it, Toronto play yet. So we haven't, but you know, at the same time, I really I'm gonna struggle to be out on Toronto because I'm so in on Chad Kelly. And last year we saw McLeod Bethel Thompson just be absolutely prolific. And if we're looking at this from a positional standpoint, you know, Cam Phillips has really is primed for a breakout year with them, you know, and and I just, I can't be out on Toronto because I think they have so much talent at quarterback. And I think they have so much talent at receiver, you know, next for me, really, uh, I think it it might be Ottawa. You know, I, I think this feels like some, garbage time you know they were spreading the ball around so much i'm just i'm really nervous about this um about this receiving core because it doesn't look like anybody's gonna step up and again i wonder if it, you know an unsettled quarterback situation everybody thought jeremiah masoli was going to be the guy and it's nick arbuckle yeah you know if you're going to have a quarterback controversy we're going to be bouncing back and forth it's not going to be good for your team yeah, that is that was surprising to me. I, I wonder if Masoli's not 100% healthy yet from his injury Is he last ever 100% year. healthy, though? <laughs> Good question. He gets injured often. Um, I got to go with Saskatchewan. The, nobody really stood out, and Trevor Harris, 179 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. If he continues to struggle, then what do they do? Turn the keys over to Shea Patterson? That's no, even worse. I mean, so. <laughs> but I also think, you know, Edmonton, Edmonton can show up defensively. You, you know, I'm not necessarily out on them. And this is a team that's built to move the ball on the ground. And so I think that there's going to be some opportunities for Saskatchewan. Um, but I also have them at seventh because that just feels like they haven't gotten it together yet. Mm hmm. Agreed. And then I'll go with you on, on Ottawa there because if Masoli can't stay healthy and they have to rely on Arbuckle, it might be a long year. I just can't fade Jalen Acklin that far. So that's why <laughs> that's why I have them a little bit higher. Uh and at six, you know, I'm I'm staying in that game um with Ottawa and I have Montreal. Um, you know, I just I, I'm hesitant to believe in Fajardo as a passer. I know he's mm-hmm. a spectacular runner. He did throw for 261. Um, but I just don't know that they're going to be able to consistently produce anything through the air, you know, and just the fact that it's such a low average, you know, other than Julian Grant and Mac, who were really buoyed by long completions, they're not pushing the ball down the field that much. Yeah, for sure. All right. Have you been writing mine down? Yes, I have. I, You've got Edmonton, sh- Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Ottawa so far. All right. Saskatchewan, Ottawa. I was going to say, and, I should have been writing mine down. And I'll go to number five. I have Edmonton here just because, again, I am a big believer in if there is a dominant pass catcher, I want that. And even if that goes away, they'll still be, they'll be forced then to have other guys pick up the slack. And you know, it wasn't great games from any of the other Edmonton pass catchers, but Arkanow and Brown 
and Stephen Dunbar even got some targets and they're going to be capable of picking up some of the slack here with Taylor Cornelius and Taylor Cornelius is a mobile quarterback who's going to force teams to account for him, which means less guys in coverage, which means there's a higher likelihood that somebody gets loose behind the defense and Corndog can find them and has found them before. For sure. All right. Well, number five, I got Calgary. Um, it, this is a team that they do run the ball a lot with Kadeem Carey. They did last year anyways, but I think they uh, their passing game is going to get kind of in line. BC is a tough team to play, so I'm going to put Calgary at five. All right. Who you got at number four? Let's go Montreal. God, even that though feels so high. I was just about to say, even though I hate putting Cody Fajardo that high. <laughs> I mean, he threw the ball. He spread it out. It's just it seems yeah. like they're super fluky dependent. You yeah. know, whereas Agreed. Cornelius is at least pushing the ball down the field consistently to one guy. It feels like these were two fluky long plays that they were anchored by. Um, number four for me is Toronto. Like I said, I'm a big believer in Cam Phillips, and this was a prolific offense last year, you know, that saw multiple guys do incredibly well. You know, this had Curly Gittins, Markeith Ambles, Devaris Daniels, all over 700 yards, just absolutely churning out numbers. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson was almost a 5,000-yard passer last year. If he'd played in every game, he would have been a 5,000-yard passer in the CFL. Yeah. Yep, I like it. Um, I got Toronto at three. See, I mean, big Toronto fans. I, I Again, I'm big on Cam Phillips this year. I, I think Cam Phillips takes a step forward and he shows everybody – what he can what he can be with a consistent opportunity and a consistent quarterback. Yeah. And they I think um obviously I'm very biased, but they have the best quarterback room with Swag Kelly, Cam, uh Brian Scott, and even Cam Dukes. Cam Dukes looked good in preseason. Yeah. Um so who are you going to next? Uh oh, no, two, I'm up. I'm up. Oh, Sorry. Up. Yeah. Number three. Um number three, I'm going with Hamilton. Um okay. I, I I just they have guys in Tim White. I just – Bo Levy Mitchell makes me nervous. He's getting up there in age. He's, you know, been down a little bit in recent years. And I just don't know if he can still produce at a high level like he's been capable of in the past. And as you said, Hamilton, I just realized I had – I did not have Hamilton on here. I had Calgary at five and eight. I'll keep them at eight and put Hamilton at five. <laughs> Oh, I should have uh, caught you on that one. Whoops. <laughs> it's all good. But but I do um, think I think you know Hamilton is capped by that. And I think it's also capped by the fact, at least in the receiving room, that this offense starts and ends with James Butler. Yeah, agreed. All right. So I'm at number two. I got BC. Um that I don't think they're going to be as good as last year, but they did show that uh, they're not going to take too much of a step back. And I think Dominic Grimes is one of the best receivers in the league. Yeah, I mean, I've got BC at two as well. I think Dominique Grimes and Alexander Hollins are a one-two punch, um, as well as Lucky Whitehead. I think that that's really good. I think um, Vernon Adams is solid, but the mm -hmm. thing that keeps them from being number one right now is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers exist. Yep, I agree. Um, obviously, that's my one as well. 
They just, like I said, Dembski, Schoen, Walatarski, Rashid Bailey, those guys can flip-flop with who's the wide receiver one each week. They did last year, it seemed like. And they, they just, they got a lot of talent. Yeah, and they, was, they run the ball very, or they run their offense very well. There was one 300-yard passer last week in the CFL, and it was Zach Caleros in a shootout against the Hamilton Tigats. Yeah. Justin. Any last thoughts on the CFL season? Anything there? Um, I'm excited uh, for it to keep progressing. I'm excited to see that Toronto team and how they uh, they move the ball down the field once Chad Kelly gets to play since he didn't get a lot of preseason time. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's good saving the starter, but he looked good in his time last year. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Um, we'll be sporadically with you throughout the CFL season checking in. Um, talking about all things that we have. Um, as I said, I was in Memphis this weekend talking with Brian. Brian and I had some great conversations about what we were going to have on the platform next year. Some fun stuff on the way, including, I'll tease it here. Uh, Justin, what if I told you there was a way to get involved in a fantasy league, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's a season-long contest, but you don't have to draft. You just have to pick a lineup every week. Oh, nice. But you don't have to do worry about salaries. The only thing you have to remember is once you've put a guy in your lineup, you can't use him again that season. Oh, okay. So, so it's like DFS a, Eliminator. Nice. Interesting. Coming next year. Get ready. Get excited. We're really excited for it. Um, we think we're going to roll it out as a USFL XFL game. So starting in the USFL season and running through week 10 of the USFL season. Uh, and don't forget, set your lineups. We got Thursday night CFL football, Friday night, game Saturday, one game, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Justin, football yeah. all weekend. Get excited, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And Justin, don't forget about Edge Boost because I can tell you right now, my Edge Boost double down play of the day. Okay, I'm in on Winnipeg to win the CFL championship. I know, hot take, you know, everybody's favorite <laughs> right now. But let me tell you, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the Edmonton Elks and the Toronto um, Argos to win as well. Because I think Taylor Cornelius has that dog in him. Edmonton is a hungry town. That's, you know, it's a it's it's close to my heart. Small town, you know, Rust Belt, hard at deep North Canada. You know, they just, they, they think differently up there and people aren't believing in them. And, and I think that this is an Edmonton team that could take some folks by surprise. And the Argos with Swag Kelly feel like a team that can punch above their weight class because Swag Kelly never knows when he's beaten. So that's my edge boost double down play of the day. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge for the man who's got 60 trees in 60 hours to plant. That's Justin Mark and I'm Adam Pelletier and we will see you next time.